0: Hey and welcome to the Healthier You podcast. I'm your host Sarah Elizabeth and I'm a women's health coach. Each week we delve into all things health and wellness whether that be nutrition, hormones, periods, stress management, personal growth and everything in between. It's my mission to guide you into being the CEO of your own body and life by understanding how to support your health and your hormones so that you can leave feeling lit up, tuned in and turned on by your life. I am so excited that you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Healthier You. I am so, so excited for the episode today because I am tapping to founder of This Independent Life, Rebecca, who is absolutely incredible. In fact, fun fact, we've already had this conversation once before, but... (laughs) For technical reasons, we've not been able to find that conversation and therefore we're having it all over again. (laughs) So we've had a bit of a practice run, Um, but I'm really, really excited to have this chat again with Rebecca today. We are going to be talking all things, advocating for yourself with endometriosis. And even if you are someone who isn't struggling with endometriosis, but maybe you struggle with PMS, PCOS, any other sort of hormonal issues, thyroid issues, this episode is still going to be really relevant for you. It applies to you. Rebecca has experienced personal experience with endometriosis so that's going to be the focus of the conversation today but this will be helpful for you regardless. So give it a listen, um, obviously share it, tag us in it on Instagram. Um, I'll leave all of Rebecca's details in the show notes and hello Rebecca, how are you? Hi! I'm so excited to be back again
1: (laughs) it's so nice to be here I'm so honored and grateful to be part of this podcast and to partner with you I just absolutely love everything that you do and everything that you stand for and just your energy and vibe and yeah I love it so I'm really excited for this and I'm yeah just grateful to be here.
0: Yeah, I think it's a blessing in disguise to do this twice, because it just means we get to catch up again. (laughs) Yeah, I know, it's like 20 minutes chatting. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and um, when Rebecca and I first met, we literally clicked straight away. We just have so many things in common. I absolutely love what Rebecca does and what she stands for. So we just got on so, so well. So I'm literally excited for you all to get to know her. Rebecca, why don't you start with telling us a little bit more about you and what you do?
1: Yeah, so I'm Rebecca Lloyd. Um, I'm actually, as we're recording this, turning 32 in two days. (laughs) So when this ends, I don't know, I'll be in my next year. But I live in London um, and yeah, my business, actually, it's also my business birthday. So this week is actually, and this is a really nice time to record it because I feel like I'm in this moment of reflection and like thinking about everything I've done, everything that I want to do. So yeah, my business is This Independent Life, which is a social impact platform for women, helping them to achieve personal independence in their life regardless of background which sounds super lofty but essentially that means um, supporting women people generally but I have a real focus and passion around women to kind of gain awareness knowledge and take action in their life and the three pillars that I do this around are health work and money so independence is kind of like the umbrella if you like and then if you think of it as like a triangle I call it my independence triad you have health work and money and it was really inspired by my own experience so before I quit my job to start my business full-time I was working for a independent creative agency working in healthcare and pharmaceuticals specifically before that I'd worked in like a million different things so I worked in the NHS for a bit worked in scientific research I studied biomedical science I'd applied to be a doctor twice and been rejected twice I worked in ski resorts as a chalet manager and. Basically didn't really know what I wanted to do. So, you know, did a bunch of traveling and ended up coming back to healthcare for I'm not sure why. I think healthcare and science has always been in my blood. My mum's a nurse, my granddad was a chemist, my granny was a botanist. Like wow. I don't know, maybe, maybe there's something in my DNA, who knows? But yeah, I I really kind of loved the idea of um communications and a kind of fallen into that in some way because and again I think it's relevant to say here because it's almost this like hidden industry where you have companies and organizations that are doing things to help people like on the you know on the face of it in in layman's terms but actually what goes into that and in communicating different products and services and when you're talking about healthcare and science you have to get it right right so it was this like hidden industry that I never really heard of and then ended up working in there and it was amazing because it kind of blended my love of creativity like another thing I used to want to do was like be a dancer At one point I auditioned for the Royal Ballet, <laughs> when I was like <laughs> super tiny so it was really nice because it kind of combined that together and yeah long story short I was kind of hired by a small independent and that was my first like foray into startup life really and I was able to kind of join the team as the first person in London and really build out everything and that was incredible like I had an international team was working globally like had multi-million dollar accounts, like all this stuff. So on the face of it, everyone's like, wow, you're so successful, like everything's great. And yeah, it was like, I was running an agency. I was earning more money than I'd ever earned in my life. Um, But then COVID happened. And I think it really, for a lot of people, but for me personally, it was a real time of like shit. Like, what am I doing with my life? I'm really just started questioning. Like, okay, well, now I'm not doing the parts of my job that I like. What am I actually doing? And I think it was a mix of different things. And again, I don't want to speak negatively, but I think, you know, there was some toxicity in the company that I was in, and I think there was just a kind of clash of ways. And so I started really getting impacted mentally. Like my mental health just started getting worse and worse, and, and I essentially had a breakdown um, in the end. And it sort of was really this very weird, like. And now I kind of think back and when I speak to people about it, it's like I did kind of know like in my gut, if I was really honest about it, I I probably should have done something about it sooner. But I think you tell yourself, no, it's fine. You're kind of in denial. Um, And so that was kind of happening. And at the same time, I got diagnosed with endometriosis. And at that point, it had taken me 10 years of kind of going to the doctors with different symptoms. And actually, at that time, it had been about two years since COVID because it had really, I guess, exacerbated things. So, again, it's kind of like... You know, if COVID hadn't happened, would I be here? Would I, you know? I, again, I always think about all these things and how how are the, what are the steps that happen to get people to a certain point? And I think for me, it was my partner actually who was like, "Okay, enough is enough now. It's not normal for you to be in pain every day." And that again, when I speak to people, people are like, "Oh, so like just around your period?" I'm like, "No." all day, every day, Mm. like chronic pain. And so the fact that I completely normalised that, you know, in itself is just kind of speaks to, I think, women generally. And, you know, as I've been speaking to other women since then, like I'm not alone. And so that experience and also, which sounds not related, I was buying my first house and I realised I basically had no idea how to manage my money. So, That's a long winded way of saying, basically, when you actually look at your life as a whole, and I think for women particularly, we have these additional barriers and these additional challenges in place for many reasons, right? Like generational, but also institutional, systemic, you know, whether it's sexism or things like women not being included in clinical trials until the 90s, women not able to have mortgages until the 70s. Like that's not that long ago. And so now I think me bringing that all together, I was looking for support for kind of each of these areas, but it was all like, oh, you do this thing over here and you do this thing over here here and that's amazing right i don't get me wrong like if if i could and if everyone could and that's why i'm really passionate about regardless of your background in quotes because it shouldn't be that a certain subset of society has access to the healthcare that they need and i had health insurance and so i was lucky that i was able to get surgery for my endometriosis within 2 months if i'd have gone onto the nhs and quit my job when i really wanted to i'd have been waiting for 2 years and the reality mm. is that is the situation and again post covid it's even worse so I think it's about, for me... With my business and with endometriosis specifically, and you know, now I run a support group and have events and different things that I do. It's really about supporting women, but through lived experience and through personal stories. And I think that's why, again, it's all as much as kind of knowing something, right? Like you need to be aware of a situation or an issue in order to get to the next stage, knowledge, educate yourself about that. But ultimately it's all well and good, you know, learning something. If you're not going to do anything about it, (laughs) then what's the point? So I really try and encourage women And I think, you know, whether it's confidence or people have just been struggling for so long, they've not been heard, they've not been listened to, you really internalize that. So I really try and help women through the work that I do to just like listen to themselves and like trust their gut Um, And yeah, so I know that was like a very long answer to your question, but I don't know.
0: (laughs) No, that is literally perfect. Thank you. And I feel like there's just so much that I want to pick apart from everything that you just said. First of all, isn't it just so magic that all the experience... That you have on the lead up to you running this independent life has kind of been like the perfect recipe for you to be just in such a good place to do what you're doing right now. So your mess is your message and it's awful when you're going (laughs) through it. Kind of similar to me. There's all these little random things that I did in my background that I'm like, why on earth did I do that? But now I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense that I wanted to do that because it set me up perfectly for what I'm doing right now. So it's a little bit magic in that way. But I just love this triad that you have of like, so it's money, health, career, right?
1: Yeah,
0: work. Yeah. Yeah, work, work. So money, health, and work. And I think those three things, when I look at the work that I do with my one-on-one clients, it's always one of those three things and they all affect each other, right? They're all impacting each other. So the fact that you kind of really spread awareness and educate on all of those areas and how to become more independent in those areas, it really does set women up for such a great relationship With themselves and such a great relationship with their own lives because I think it's always one of those that's setting someone back um so the fact that you get to be this almost like directory of information for all these different kind of areas through personal experience as well I just think is absolutely amazing and you know this is why I'm such a big fan of your work because I just think that like this is so well needed um so absolutely obsessed um, Thank you. <laughs> and, then you <laughs> and then obviously you have your personal story with endometriosis as well and this is something that just like riles me up because there are so many women who are suffering with endometriosis and to be honest so many different hormonal um and women's health issues that are just a we're not educated about at all um b we're kind of Told that periods are supposed to be really painful, like it's a really, you know, awful time of your month. So if you are experiencing really painful, it's almost been normalized to the point where people aren't even seeking help because they don't realize that it's not normal. And, you know, it's it can go for about 10-ish years undiagnosed, right? Endometriosis as well. And similarly for Mm. things like PCOS and stuff like that. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about why it's so important to raise awareness around endometriosis and also, like, how would somebody even know if they have it? Because I think there's a lot of kind of like smoke and mirrors around what periods are supposed to look like versus what they might look like if you're struggling with something like endometriosis, for example.
1: Yeah. So, so <clears throat> I mean, the first part of your question, why does it take so long? I think for the reasons that I kind of touched on many, many reasons, but I think a lot of it is kind of very systematic and inbuilt into the system that unfortunately we have in the UK but also globally I think that historically women have been you know ignored dismissed undervalued underappreciated undersupported like pick your word like it's it's happened and the fact of the matter is we're still playing catch-up so I think right now we're at this point which feels really exciting in some ways that I feel like women's health is finally coming onto the agenda in a more prevalent way. So we have the women's health strategy, which, isn't perfect but it's a step in the right direction we're starting to see menopause policies being rolled out we're starting to see other kind of conditions be talked about more openly I through the work that I'm doing you know i one of the sessions that I deliver because I do master classes with businesses and kind of help them in that way is around embracing women's health and that's something that I feel like never would have been of interest you know however many years ago so I think that really the reality is it is still a case of women just not knowing and we have that gap. So there's a big gap between the women who are experiencing these symptoms and the people who are there to support. And for me, one of the big things that we need to overcome is bridging that gap and bridging the silence, which again is like a big theme of the event that I'm doing. But in terms of, you know, why women aren't being able to get diagnosis, because people don't know about it. Like I had never Mm -hmm. heard of endometriosis. I had heard of it briefly because... My stepmom actually had it and she was infertile as a result, had had a lot of pain and had a lot of issues. But before that, I'd never heard of it in school. I studied biomedical science. So I studied like reproductive medicine as part of that. And I never once heard like this condition. And for something that affects 10% of women, like that just kind of alarms me. And so I think it's two sides, right? You need to be providing the general public and Again, this is my opinion, (laughs) but I believe that we need to be educating people. Like we need to be providing women with that tools, that toolkit and with the information that they need to actually understand their bodies. Like at Mm. a very base level, I'm all for learning about, you know, whatever we learn about in school. But frankly, I'd rather learn about endometriosis than learning about Pythagoras theorem. So I think it's just really about understanding the practical life skills for all of these things, but for endometriosis and women's health specifically, why is it that we're not giving our young girls and young women the information that they need to understand their own bodies like to me it's just absolutely crazy so I think you know that's where it really starts and then on the other hand we need to be supporting healthcare professionals to really understand the signs and symptoms like at a very basic level a very kind of core something that is this common I always use a um uh, oh my god I can't think of the word, uh, equivalent with diabetes and that it's got a similar prevalence. I used to work in diabetes so as one of my clients for for a few years and you look at them side by side, same prevalence, same kind of, you know, commonalities and there's like over 50 different medications for diabetes you look on government websites it comes up there's all these articles there's all these programs there's pathways in place there's absolutely nothing for endometriosis so that is like I think where kind yeah. of we are in terms of like education and what some are some very practical things because at the end of the day the the women and the men and the people that work in hospitals and our healthcare professionals like they're also human beings at the end of the day like I know from like my mum and my sister telling me that it, it's really tough like and yeah. I think sometimes we're going forget that as well so it's all well and good people are like oh we need to educate people better who are healthcare professionals yes but think of also the the burden that they have on their shoulders with all these other responsibilities so actually no like let's bring the power back to the women and use yeah. that as a tool while we kind of fix kind of the system but that's the first part of your question yeah I, I get, like, <laughs> I could just like go on about that for ages. But in terms of how to actually kind of get diagnosed, so some of the more practical things, again, I'm not a doctor. So, (laughs) you know, take this as you will. One of the biggest things is pain. So like I mentioned, having pain, but not just like your normal period pain, or I say normal in quotes, because I shouldn't be using that term. But it's not just like around the days of your period it's where you're actually having and again it can vary with a lot of women because it can really be a full body condition there are women that have had it in their lungs and they found endometriosis like in fetuses even like it's kind of crazy but typically I think you get this pain where it's like all over your it's like your pelvis and then also quite commonly it'll be your back so like that's for me is very common you can also get it down your legs um and then depending on the extent of your endometriosis and if it spreads so like there's there's women in my support group for example where they have bowel endometriosis and they're having to go back for a further surgery with a bowel surgeon and an endometriosis surgeon to kind of tackle it together because it it basically just like it's a sticky tissue that, that just wraps itself and kind of sticks to different things so like for me for example yeah. I had an endometrioma which was picked up on a scan but when they actually did the operation it had kind of spread also onto my bladder and to other parts of my uterus and my other ovaries so again that's just another reason and just I think it's good to also mention that because it's so misunderstood like the actual physiology of it that can also be sometimes hard then when you're thinking oh well why is it that I'm having pain in my leg. For something that is like yeah. a condition for me. so again I think it's just worth kind of bearing that in mind another big one is bloating so this is um, mm. a big one for me as well so for the same reasons it's kind of that similar area and there's many many different reasons and theories why that can be but, but being bloated a lot of the time but not just from like eating something it's kind of this painful bloat um, that just kind of doesn't really go away <laughs> um, yeah. and like honestly I've been bloated for like as long as I can remember. And like, that's something I'm now kind of personally trying to work through. But yeah, so bloating is a big one. Uh, bleeding during sex, that can be another one, um, which again was something that I'd experienced and thought like, this is weird. Like, is it my partner? Is it me? Like, he like even went to the doctors to like have his penis checked because it was like, yeah. where is this blood coming from? Like, this is a normal why all of a sudden is there all this blood like coming out every time. And also, yeah. you know, the impact that on your relationships and things is crazy. Yeah, of course. Um, and then the other big one is, Kind of, there's different triggers, but if you're stressed and you're getting pain, like that can be a big sign because I think stress and anxiety, there's a huge correlation. And again, this isn't spoken about that much, but I'm really, really passionate about it because to me, physical and mental health is synonymous. And stress can be a huge trigger. So if you're note and again, this is something now on reflection, putting two and two together it was the stress that I was having from my job and my other kind of mental health issues that was really probably actually instigating a lot of that exacerbation. So again, like it's very different for everyone. Endometriosis, is very heterogeneous, but I think those are some of the common ones. But Yeah. yeah, it's definitely a field where there's, there's a lot more kind of going into and because currently there's a big data gap and a big gender gap in a lot of this stuff like it's, it's hard to even say like here's the th- things that exact you'll notice but, symptoms. yeah I think- Exactly. But but yeah. Yeah,
0: that's so so helpful. Thank you. And I think it's really important to have like a general idea of what these symptoms are because I mean I struggled with my periods for literally as long as I can remember. I even remember losing my period at one point for a few months because I was like restricting um my diet so much to the point where my body just didn't deem me safe to even have a period. And I remember kind of explaining my symptoms once to one of my managers at the time and just being like, Oh, I just feel like I'm in so much pain when I'm on my period and she was like oh that sounds like endometriosis and I remember literally just being like what that and having to google it because I had no idea what it was and at this point I was like maybe 21 or something so I was old enough to like I should have known at that point what what endometriosis actually was it turns out it was probably more on the PMDD side, which again is another kind of disorder that nobody really talks about or nobody really knows about and worth an episode in itself, to be honest. But The fact that we're hearing this word endometriosis it's as common as diabetes literally and nobody knows what it is nobody's heard of it and nobody even like can come up with concrete symptoms as to you know what's correlated with it is absolutely wild um so i think it's really important that we're you know educated on a our own bodies and what's normal versus what's not normal so that we can go and check those things out um and also to really start like getting more women into the research space as well I think this is something that's really missing at the moment I think a lot of women especially women that I know that are really passionate about women's health what they do is they go on and to do things like what I'm doing which is like going and working with individuals on a one-to-one basis but then we need women in science doing the actual research Um, I was looking at research into was something around like movement movement around your cycle and how um uh, changing the way that you move during different phases of your cycle can be helpful and there were I literally found three studies that's it three studies in comparison to all of the studies that you'll find in all of these other kind of really well-known so it kind of speaks to the problem that we're experiencing as women at the moment where all of these kind of issues seem to be getting more and more popular. And the, you know, the the symptoms are getting kind of, you know, so many women are struggling with them. But at the same time, the knowledge of it is just not there. So we need more women in the space. And we need women to be really getting clued up on what's going on in their own bodies. So they can understand, is this that I'm experiencing normal? Is it not normal? And, You know, I remember last time we recorded this episode, we had a really good conversation around um, advocating for yourself. And we really came to the conclusion that advocating for yourself looks like tracking your symptoms and getting to know your own body. It's literally the best way that you can advocate for your health. So why don't you speak to us a little bit more around how would how would someone even start to do that, especially if they're experiencing the symptoms that you kind of mentioned earlier?
1: Yeah, so I mean also what you said, just anyone just Google erectile dysfunction studies and look at the comparison
0: <laughs> between that and
1: that'll just answer your question. So anyways, Literally. Um, oh, I've never but, even tried yeah, to do so. that. So on my <laughs> yeah. no, It's depressing, <laughs> but it's eye-opening um so yeah so I always try and and again as part of my support group I do this a lot so understanding Mm. how to navigate the system understanding the power of our own voice how to advocate for ourselves like you said so tracking symptoms is like number one I think if you can go into your doctor's office with evidence You know, think about other things in your life. Like you want to see kind of claims or facts. And even if you're looking at reviews, right, for a restaurant you're going to, you want to kind of see that evidence that this thing is real. Yeah. Unfortunately, the reality is to avoid, you know, you will get dismissed, unfortunately. And I think that is just the fact of the matter. So, kind of understanding that, accepting that, and going in knowing that, okay. I actually have the autonomy and the power here. I know my own body better than anyone. Yes, you have healthcare professionals and they obviously have been through years of training and all this stuff. So it's not to kind of disregard that. But at the end of the day, if you know in your gut that something is not right, Do not ignore that. And I think that is like, you know, number one, the thing that I always say, because we can just kind of think, oh, okay well, if they said it's fine. And this goes back again to sort of, you know, historically, it would be, oh, the doctor tells me what it is. Yes. You know, yes, sir. And that's it. Actually, no, like you are able to and we do have a lot more resources open to us now, um, you know, with like literally Google, (laughs) but also, you know, speaking to other women and whether it's support groups or whatever. So, you know, just first and foremost, like, if you know there's something wrong, like, please just don't give up because I know it's hard. Like, I know how much of the toll it can take and how depressing it can be. And like, really, I feel you like deeply with that. Like, I really relate but like, do not give up because the hope, you know, there is hope and the help is definitely out there. So tracking your symptoms, whether it's with an app, you know, there's a bunch of different apps now that you can get out there that didn't exist when I was at uni, but now there's loads. So however you want to track it, whether you want to write them down physically or put them in an app, tracking your pain. And there's some other ones where you can track like actual different symptoms. So like bloating, like I mentioned, heavy, you know, if you're having a heavy period or just other things where your pain is. Um, So just trying to get a really clear picture of what your symptoms are and also if possible like when they're happening and like what's causing it so are you eating certain foods and it's triggering it are you I don't know doing certain types of exercise is it at certain times of the month like just trying to basically capture as much data really for want of a better word Mm. to then kind of help support that conversation and really just say when the person's asking you you can say oh actually yes this is what happens, or this is kind of how I'm, you know, experiencing it. And also, to be honest, just to have something there. Sometimes, you know, you can underestimate when you're going in, it can be sort of nerve wracking. And there is a lot of shame that I think we feel as women around our bodies, and that translates as well into this. And so it can be really hard to talk about this stuff, like I totally relate and, and recognize that. And so again, I think just having that there, it's almost like, it takes that pressure off you a little bit and just, gives you the ability to just say, okay, and then you just kind of read through. So that would be my first one. The second one, which is related is, take questions with you (laughs) and again write them down so I literally will have my notes on my iPhone but whatever you want to use and I'll literally write down and I actually found it yesterday when I was like going through and organizing stuff for my endo event to just try and get some inspiration it was like really like wow because it was from April
0: like two years
1: ago I don't know I just like it gave me like shivers because I was like oh my god this is really crazy that I'm seeing my own I don't know but yeah writing down your questions and it can be literally anything like don't think that any question is stupid I say this with everyone and have always said it like like even to people I've managed in the past, like no question is stupid. Like the idea is that you're going there to get information and to get help from the person who is the professional and knows what they're doing and you know is there to help you. So any question that you might have about anything, whether it's the diagnosis process, the treatment process, if you've kind of really got to the point where you really think it's endometriosis, unfortunately at the moment, the only way of diagnosing and treating it really is through surgery. So it's not like you can go and get a blood test or anything right now there's some amazing innovations happening in the space but as of today and in the UK at least there isn't really a way of doing that you can have scans and again if you have an endometrioma like I had it will show up but if not you know the reality is you'll be going into surgery. So if, if you do want to, I mean, again, that's maybe for the next step. And once you actually get to speaking to a specialist or a surgeon, but if you have questions like don't be ashamed to ask those questions. So just anything that you have that you might want to kind of know about or anything, any anxieties that you're having as well, like what the impact on your life could be, what the different options are, you know, anything, which you just want to kind of get as some reassurance as well. And then the third one I say is if you can bring someone with you, because, (laughs) it can be a lot when you're going into these um, consultations and you're being told that you may have a chronic condition and that's something that can take a long time to kind of process and deal with and learn how to manage and so sometimes like you may not even remember all of the things so the questions that you're asking about you want to be like remembering these them so again I know that that's not open to anyone um I actually didn't because I wanted to just do it on my own and I don't know it's it's very personal to everyone but if you can and if that's something that you're able to do then I would always recommend doing that as well
0: yeah that's so so helpful thank you and I think it's really important here to actually like advocate for yourself and go in because I think as women we can naturally be people pleasers as well so what we tend to do is we'll go into a doctor's office and I remember doing this a million times with so many different things IBS hormonal stuff all the things where I'd go and sit in the office and be like um I'm experiencing this kind of symptom and then they'd be like here you go here's a pearl or here's this or it's nothing or come back in three months and I know damn well in that moment I should have been like no that's not it this is what I need, or I need this, or I need that. And instead I was um, almost like, oh, okay, no worries. And then kind of like rushing out because I didn't want to be that annoying patient that was like, oh, but what about this? And oh, but what about this? And I think what's really important to remember here is these people are not going to remember you, right? They see you for 10 minutes, they're probably seeing you know tens of patients that day and so for you this is your whole life for them they're not going to remember it and so be the annoying person right if it means that you feel like you're being annoying be that annoying person don't be afraid of being that annoying person to ask the right questions to get all of the information heck if you even need to sit there and be like let me write this down let me write this down let me write this down don't be afraid to be that person because when it comes to the end of the year you're going to remember that experience but they won't and so make show up for yourself and advocate for yourself in that situation I think that's really really important and you know all of those things that you mentioned it's going to be hard to do that when you're in a doctor's office so really stand your ground and actually do that because that's going to make or break your experience and how quickly you move through the process is that right
1: yeah and the other thing I would add which I didn't mention which is now I think of it, one of the most important things is again sometimes I think we can really fall back into this okay well they're the professional they're the expert like they know and so we'll be like okay well they said it's nothing like you said so you just kind of mm. go away and then that's it I've heard loads of women who say well I was told and that's what happened to me it's like oh we'll just give you some extra some stronger painkillers like off you go and then you wait for years and yeah. actually no, it could just be that it's that person and whether it's the 10 minute slot or they're having a bad day even there could be a multitude of reasons but actually now it's like okay no for me, one of the biggest goals I think I always say to women is to get to the next step. So you're going Mm. in to see your GP even if they can't give you the answers that you need and the fact is like they're a GP so they're not an expert they're not a specialist and like that's literally the role of their job is to kind of help get you into the next stage of the process as well in some ways obviously GPs have a lot of other amazing things that they do yeah. but do you know what I mean yeah. they're helping you get to the, the expert who can ultimately give you that specialist support so sometimes I'll even say and I did this myself I had a GP they weren't really helping so I changed GP and some people are like, what, like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm like, no, at the end of the day, you have to remember, there's like, what, 8 billion people in this planet. Unfortunately, not everyone is going to help you and not everyone's going to change. Not everyone's going to be open to you being the one that actually maybe is coming in and suggesting some things. And, you know, there's that kind of power dynamic and whatever it might be. So actually going in and saying, like I did, um, I need to, and I guess it, for me, I already knew I had my diagnosis, but e- either way, the BSGE, which is the British Center um, British Society for Gynecological endoscopy I always get it wrong but BSGE you google it that's mm. basically all of the endometriosis specialist trust so I said please can you refer me to the BSGE centre that is near to me mm. put in your postcode it literally will say mine is Guy's Hospital because I live in London and she was like oh I've never heard of that and um, what is it and like she I was really lucky because I was like wow I finally found someone who is like interested and willing to listen and help and she did that and so like that's amazing and I think that's just an example of you don't have to be batting your head against a GP who's not listening to you and I hear women who are like well they just tell me that you know there's nothing wrong or they tell and I'm like change GP like find a new person don't email the practice manager don't get in the bureaucracy mess that unfortunately you can get into like at the end of the day what is going to get you the help you need getting to the next step getting into the secondary care system getting into a hospital, getting onto a waiting list then once you're on the waiting list, call up and ask for cancellations. I used to work in the NHS, I used to work with different nurse teams of fertility, stoma nurses, internal medicine, people cancel their appointments, unfortunately. And the reality is there isn't the resource there. And there's not the digital infrastructure there in place right now to actually fill those spots. So people hate to hear it. But the reality is, they will just be slots then that are kind of there. And so if you can call up and like get that slot, again, it's not guaranteed, but it's just little hacks that you can use mm. to kind of Just ultimately get to the next step. And then once you get to the specialist, that's when you can either, you know, be talking about treatment. And then in my instance now, because my symptoms are starting coming back, I know that I can ask for pelvic floor therapy. I can ask for nutritional support. And, you know, there's a multitude of other things that you can ask for. But I know that I can't get that through the GP. So, you know, Mm. it's just thinking really clearly as well, like, what is your goal? what are you trying to get to? Like, what is your objective of even going through this whole process? Do you want someone to like say, you know? So I think it's just really important to also think about that and always be focusing on you getting the help that you need. Don't get hung up in this person said this and oh, they made me feel really bad. Yes, 100%, but just try and sort of like not let that really take over because that can really bring you down. And that that's the thing, I think more than anything that stops women ultimately getting the help that they need it's internalizing that and thinking oh there's nothing wrong with me I'm fine no Mm. like
0: your feelings
1: and your experiences are valid it's just getting to the right person who can help you get the support that you need 100%
0: I absolutely love that I think this is so practical and so helpful for everyone who's kind of struggling and this is why I said this episode is going to be so helpful even if it's not necessarily endometriosis that you're struggling with but even things like IBS for example which ironically is something that's always confused with endometriosis so you might go in and again one of the reasons that it's so important to note down what your actual symptoms are because if you're experiencing bloating and you're like right I'm going in because I'm experiencing bloating you might get diagnosed with IBS but if you also have you know tend to bleed when you're having sex for example that makes the you know that makes the situation a whole lot more complex and it may be more on the kind of endometriosis side so it's like noting down all of your symptoms and having this really practical like i'm getting through to the next step that's that's my that's my aim here that's my goal so going in with that in mind I think is really really important kind of reminds me of a show that I've been watching this show recently called Working Moms I don't know if you've ever heard of it but it's absolutely hilarious yeah, I've not it. oh it's so good um but one of the episodes was called No One Is Coming and that ever since watching it and I watched it a couple of weeks back now and ever since watching it that kind of title has stayed in my head for so long and I think it so applies to this situation here where what we tend to do is kind of like sit with our symptoms for ages and we're like, you know, okay, nothing's wrong with me, even though there really, really is, or, oh, they've said there's nothing I can do or whatever else. And it's like reminding yourself, no one is coming. (laughs) You have got to be the advocate for yourself in these situations and really proactively seek support for what you're experiencing. And I think, you know, as women, we just have this real intuitive sense when something is not quite right. And so trust it, trust your body, listen to your body. If your body is saying, no, this is, this is not right. Or a doctor saying something and you don't quite agree with it. Trust that inner knowing and learn to like speak up for yourself because no one's coming, right? You've got to kind of do the work. So note down those symptoms, get to the next stage. Um, I think this has been so, so helpful. And, um, a couple of the other things that you mentioned that I really like was the fact that yes, food impacts, your symptoms and yes your anxiety and stress levels will also impact your symptoms I think that's quite controversial to say these days isn't it I don't know whenever I write mm-hmm. a post about how food impacts your cycle or how food impacts the way that you're experiencing your cycle in any way or stress um there's kind of a little bit of almost like con- backlash from that like oh I can't help it kind of thing um it tends to be something that's quite controversial whereas actually I'm really glad that there are now starting to be studies that show actually you can eat to support those symptoms so learning how to do that is really important but then also things like on a very holistic level managing your stress and making sure you're taking time for you all of those things are really important is there anything in particular that you feel has really moved the needle forward in your own symptoms that you kind of practice on a really personal level do you think
1: Yeah I mean I mean in all honesty I'm still like going through my own process and you know I've been it's been over a year now but you know my symptoms are coming back and so that's kind of like stirred up this whole thing and I think that's one thing that's also you know it's really important to be kind to yourself (laughs) because I think it's it can be a lot and it affects your life in so many different ways so you know and there's a lot of women that will get treatment they'll never have it ever again they'll never have any and that's amazing but you know the reality Mm. is unfortunately it does come back so you know I would love to say like yes I've got this perfect plan and like here's Mm. all the things that I do but like the reality is that's just not the case like I very much just actually started really working on that myself like even like in the last like this year for example so like just practical things I've started taking probiotics I've started to look at my diet more more seriously um but to be honest in terms of management for me my biggest trigger is stress Mm. and anxiety and that makes it really hard because it's almost like I know that when I'm stressed or anxious that the pain is going to come And so then you get caught in this cycle of, okay, and then the pain does come and then it reinforces that. And then the pain causes you more stress and then that, And so you literally like I just get caught in this cycle and, you know, that happens for a lot of women. So to be honest, like one session I actually did recently for my endo education, which is where I bring in um, like monthly experts and we just basically have them share with like my community different things that might help, because that's not really what's given at the moment. So, again, I'm just trying to sort of bridge that gap. One thing that we had recently was um, from an amazing woman, Claudia, who talked about psychological support. Um, to manage pain and so actually that's something that I'm thinking I'm actually going to start looking into because there's different whether it's you know like CBT but also there's a method called acceptance therapy where it almost sounds a bit weird but actually I think sometimes and for me personally it's like it's this constant like thing that's like in the back of my mind like on you know so even when I don't have pain I'm almost like waiting for it to come and so that's for me I think something that I really need to work on and I really need to like figure out how to overcome because actually there are some days where and I'm noticing it more like when I'm not stressed and when I'm feeling more positive and like my mind isn't focused on it my pain is significantly less and then again with some certain foods that I eat it's like clockwork I'll you know like red onion which is devastating because I used to have it every lunchtime on my Greek salad but now I can't (laughs) have it that will literally like it's like, you know, so I think yeah. for me, I'm really just trying to identify what those things are and really manage my stress and trying not to, which is hard when you run a business and when you're mm-hmm. a solo founder and, you know, there's all these things. And ironically, the stress from me organizing my endo support can sometimes cause that, you know, so I, that's the whole thing that I'm still trying to manage, but I'm hopeful. And I know that There's enough amazing women and resources and support out there that even though it's not perfect and even though it might not be the absolute goal that's going to fix it, I know that if I can find something that works for me, that I can ultimately have it not control my life and it's you know it's just part of it and it doesn't kind of overshadow everything like that for me will be success but yeah I think it's it's hard to say because it is just so different for everyone but yeah I think for me my biggest focus for this year and I think moving forward is to really figure out how to manage the the triggers and then hopefully use that as a way to then like put in more kind of not like cisterns because like I'm a huge foodie and like I love traveling, yeah. like I love drinking wine. it was like, oh cut out wine, cut out caffeine and sure. Like yeah. that's one of my biggest passions. So again, I think it's very personal. Yeah. Um and I think I just want to find a way which means which feels like I'm not like limiting myself. Yeah. But ultimately I'm not like having the symptoms that I have all the time. So yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah. It's a tricky
0: totally and that's that in itself is so so helpful because I think it's a reminder for everybody listening no matter what it is that you're going through that healing takes time and that it really takes listening to your body and understanding your own symptoms understanding what your triggers are because what are going to be triggers for you are going to be completely different to what are triggers for say Sally down the road has got completely different triggers and completely different stress responses and resilience to stress is completely different and so it's all about really understanding your body and I think we can get really trapped into this kind of like diet mentality where it's like, oh, I can't eat this and I shouldn't be doing this and I shouldn't be doing that. And really what that's doing is just adding more stress and worsening the the symptoms and worsening the way that you feel. Whereas actually it's about managing whatever condition it is that you're that you're struggling with alongside quality of life and ensuring that you've got a really good quality of life at the same time and sometimes that's going to take a little bit of trial and error because you can't be someone who just sits in your house all day being like oh I'm protecting myself from stress so I'm not going to have a job or not going to do xyz or whatever else um actually you you know you need to balance that with your purpose your joy like fun food all the things and learn how to manage your symptoms at the same time and sometimes that. Takes, that takes a while right and so you know sometimes people go for like 10 years without being even diagnosed and so you know one year is is still baby years really to try and figure out like what is it that's actually going to make this worse and what's going to improve it and it's it's a trial and error process isn't it for sure So exactly yeah
1: it goes back as yeah. well I think to which is why I love like these kind of conversations and this this conversation with you and like how you speak about it because that literally goes back to like my whole thing that I talked about at the beginning is what I do for my business. Like your health is one part of your life. Like, yes, yeah. arguably, like it, it maybe is the most important because without your health, like, you know, people say health is wealth and without health, yeah. you have nothing and all those things. Like, you know, I think that is true to some extent, but also it's not everything. And actually yeah. like the reality is it may not be that it's perfect. It may be that you're managing these symptoms and actually that's okay, but it's balancing it with the other parts of your life. Like, not letting it overtake your life in so many ways. And actually that mm. in itself can be really helpful. And sometimes I do say to women, like, try, it's really hard just try and almost like take a step back and just look at your life, like holistically, like forget about your endo, or forget about your condition that you have or your symptoms that you're experiencing. Like what are the things that bring you joy? Just like as a human being, like as an individual, it can be anything. And like, what are you passionate about? What are your strengths? Like nurturing those other parts of your life, whether it's your career, what you're doing with your time. Like so many women, you know, we're just stuck in these jobs that we hate that aren't fulfilling us that we're just settling or, you know, we think, Oh, we could never do something else yes you can like you can and actually like that in itself can be so empowering and using that kind of drive and that energy that can help feed these other areas so again I think it's really really difficult I really acknowledge that and I don't want to kind of underestimate that and make it sound like Mm. oh sure like you can just do whatever you want but actually no like I think it goes back to what I said before like just being kind to yourself and actually like we have one life our time is finite and actually we should be trying to create a life that really is autonomous about what we want that we have freedom Mm. but frankly ultimately it should just be on our terms and so you know finding ways to figure out what those things are and make sure that like you know you're just like also having a fun time you know like it can be super heavy and it can be very angry and like I know we'll mention it like in a minute when we wrap up but That's why I'm really passionate about trying to take that negative and like channeling that into something. Because honestly, that will like consume you. And that is what that will lead you to the dark, dark places that you don't want to be. And I think that's where we really have to try and like help lift each other up in not a cheesy way, but it it can be so hard to get out of that place that actually, you know, like and it's really sad because the fact of the matter is like it is really shit so yeah I think trying to like focus our energy and like what do people say it's like where you where you water the plants they will grow I'm so bad with saying yeah yeah
0: (laughs) totally totally. and I I love this I love this conversation because I think it's going to be so healing for anyone going through this to hear is that you know your environment is everything community is everything your happiness in general is everything and this is what I love about being a practitioner in this space and really working with women and you know with what you do in your triad as well, the fact that your life is not just about your health. And I've been in a situation where, you know, my diet has has been everything and I've had to be so strict, otherwise I'm failing and blah, blah, blah. When actually, you know, if you're missing all of these other areas of your life, Why are you doing it all for? What's the point? So you've got to have that, and I love this idea of like stepping back and looking at your life as a whole and being like, well, what else? What else can I do? Because you don't want to get wrapped up in your whole life, and it's again going into that catch twenty two situation that you were talking about, where it's like the symptoms are fueling the stress, which is fueling the symptoms, which is fueling the stress, and you're kind of in this place. So seeking community, seeking support, seeking practitioners, going to events, which I'm really excited to chat about yours, um, and. of speak to everyone about how they can kind of contact you and work with you in in different ways so let's move on to that shall we talk to us about your incredible event that you've got coming up in March and what's involved and how can people get involved and just everything
1: yeah so I'm super excited I'm Yeah, taking my support group and my monthly endo educators up a notch, basically, and I'm going to be hosting my first conference, which is kind of terrifying, but also very exciting. (laughs) So it's all on, um, it's going to be on the future of endometriosis. So that's kind of like the title, but it's also kind of the theme and the goal and the vision for the whole day. So To be honest I was just looking for an event to attend myself like I really wanted to kind of go somewhere where I could meet other people with endo but also learn about different you know advances in the space what people are doing different innovations you know what's happening what's coming like basically like a degree of hope (laughs) as well as kind of interest for my own personal like education but also I'm just curious and, and interested and I think it's really important for people to connect with other people who are going through similar experiences as much as you know my partner and my family and friends have been absolutely incredible sometimes you just need to speak to someone who gets it and the women that I've met through my support group and on my journey have like literally changed my life so you know I really wanted to kind of just find somewhere like that and I couldn't find anything which is either shocking slash maybe not surprising at all so (laughs) I decided to create it so here we are and yeah it's going to be in London on the 11th of March and Essentially, it's just going to be bringing together like all of those people that I said. So it's for people with endometriosis, but also anyone like in the women's health space or with a women's health condition, or maybe you have someone, whether it's family or a friend, or maybe you're just curious to kind of learn more about the space. And we're going to have an amazing kind of mix of speakers and panels and hackathons and freebies and networking and just like all of the good stuff. But the three kind of themes for the day really are around my three. I guess, areas of focus and the three things that I really think we need to do to kind of change the future of endometriosis, which is interest, investment and innovation. So interest is really going to be around like, you know, public awareness, raising awareness, like we spoke about at the beginning of this conversation. What can we actually do to elevate endometriosis and women's health generally? Right. Other conditions like I really want this to be sort of like. A way to move the whole thing forward, because I really believe that if we can help everyone collectively, then it helps everyone collectively, if you know what I mean. And that's why it's all kind of like bridging the gap, bringing these people together. If we can foster collaborations and community and leverage the power of community to move these things forward, like to me, that's a win win. So making people aware, like how we can do that, whether it's public awareness campaigns, education in schools, whatever that might be investment is around what you were mentioning about, we need more funding for like PhD research, actual base scientific research, but we also need investment for startups and actually supporting companies that are trying to do things in this space. At the moment, the reality is most women's health and endometriosis companies are founded by women. When you look at the stats of women who are being supported and invested in, like women get 2% of venture capital. So that again is kind of having a ripple effect. So how can we change that? How can we look at getting more funding at every level to really move this forward? And then finally, innovation, taking, you know, the speculum as an example that hasn't been, you know, invented or done anything since like, what, the fifties. you know, that's just one example of why is it that we don't have any form of diagnostic, any form of treatment or, you know, other than hormones and surgery, like that to me in 2023 is absolutely ludicrous. So again, there's there's things that are happening. And I really want to be aware of that. And I want to make people aware of that and also see how they can help. Like, how is it that we can help as the endometriosis community help the people who are trying to help us? You know, I'm all about like help help them help you whether that's the doctor you're trying to help get you a diagnosis or someone who's trying to help you in another way like why can't we kind of look at it in that way so yeah those kind of three pillars and really just the whole goal is to kind of help give women options I think you have options for your shoes or your holidays or whatever why is it that for arguably the most important part of our lives we don't have options so yeah I just I'm really excited to bring people together and really like put endometriosis on the map for a better word yeah. but I don't know just like bring people who really get it and like I want it to be positive I want it to be future focusing I want it to be a place where people can share their stories but get inspiration and see how they can get involved or even just listen you know like I really just want it to be a beautiful place of learning and connection and yeah i'm getting like hippy dippy about it now but <laughs> no i'm just, like super excited because honestly like I think there needs to be this help out there. There needs to be the support for women. And, you know, until we can make the changes at a system level and a government level and all of those big levels, if I can help kind of bridge that gap and provide solutions and resources to people. And so there'll be a hub with all different you know places that people can go and see how they can get involved, whether it's with research or with companies or different options like then I'll be a happy woman. So yeah, I I'm super that. excited. And come I'm along, it's open to anyone. So yeah,
0: I'm so, so excited about it. I think it's gonna be really, really good. And what what an incredible idea for so many people who must just be like, oh, I'm so lost, I'm confused. I don't know what what's available to me. And I love that it's got this real future focus as well, that it's really thinking about how can we come together in all of this and how can we support each other in all of this so if you are someone who is you know have someone in your life that has endometriosis maybe you're struggling with endometriosis yourself maybe you want to know a little bit more about it and you want to get involved in some way I know that a few health coaches also listen to this podcast so if you're a health coach and you work in hormone health or you work in women's health come along Um, I'll leave all of the details for Rebecca and how you can get in contact with her and the event details as well which I actually will be doing a talk for as well which I'm really really excited Woo! about so come and meet me in person and <laughs> come yeah. meet Rebecca in person and you know um, if you've got any questions please reach out to myself or Rebecca and we will be more than happy to answer any of those but honestly I could literally talk to you for hours I feel like (laughs) (laughs) another one like (laughs) I'm just there's so many things that I still want to pick your brains about but let's not even maybe I'll have to have you on for a second time so that we can talk through some other things maybe after the event we should have a little bit of a roundup as to kind of what we found (laughs) and all the things so um, but thank you so much for joining honestly it's been an absolute pleasure even better. A second time around I think <laughs> so thank you for yeah. joining me once again um and we really we really appreciate you coming and educating us on this very very important topic and yeah anything else that you want to kind of add any last minute thoughts no just like thank you like you're amazing
1: and i'm so happy to have you as part of the event because you're the exact kind of vibe and energy and just yeah i just love everything that you do so thank you for having me as part of um, (laughs) it it's been amazing and honestly i just really hope it like helps someone because it can be super lonely Um, yeah like it it really can (laughs) it really can sort of take over your life so I hope this has been helpful um if anyone wants to chat like whether it's with endo like we want to join the support group we just have a a whatsapp group and then we have our monthly events we've actually got our next one on the 20th so that's a free online we have monthly endo educators Mm -hmm. so that's open to anyone as well. So yeah, if you want to come to that, but if anyone just wants to chat, like I'm really happy. Um, you know, I appreciate that everyone has different, you know, so people don't want to talk about it openly or maybe kind of be in that kind of setting. I'm really happy to kind of support or just have a chat with anyone that just wants to vent. So if you do want to do that, yeah, just message me on like Instagram or you can follow. There's everything that I do. I kind of usually post it on there, which is at this independent life. Everything is at this independent life basically. So that, or you can message me on my website, which is thisindependentlife.co um or linkedin as well like rebecca lloyd Mm. or i've got a company one this independent life and then um if you want to hear like other things as well i sort of talk about other kind of aspects of my triad but also some endo stuff you can listen to my podcast which is also called this independent life (laughs) basically (laughs) Find that anywhere and you'll find it but yeah it, honestly like I'm really really like genuinely happy to kind of support anyone yeah. or, or catch one that needs to so yeah I'm I'm here I hope to meet you soon Yay, and yeah just event. like good, good to you like good for you to oh my god I can't speak good for you for even listening to this podcast because yeah I yeah. think it's important that we nurture ourselves so yeah this has just been amazing what a lovely yeah. way to end my week
0: Yay! Well, thank you so much for joining Rebecca and for everybody else. I will catch you next week for another episode.